about build an environment of pursuing curiosity. You know who you are, who you really are. Like <laughs> you are listening to Everyday Educators on 1921 Radio. Everyday Educators, and we educate every day. Welcome, 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 loved ones. This is Everyday Educators on 1921radio.com. I'm your host, Jeremy, here with the illustrious, as always, Naomi. What's up, Nay? Okay. And today we are... I'm here. Oh, okay. No, I was was rolling. I thought I just couldn't hear you. Um, Today we are here with the wonderful wonderful guest um play a partner miss carmen mahone <laughs> i will hit the applause button one day i'm gonna get the get the sound effects so we get the applause there you go i'm um, bringing the energy this morning and she is the citywide stem initiatives manager for chicago public schools sounds very official we're gonna come back to that um but we're just gonna do some some check-ins with with everybody uh, starting with you, Nate, what was the best part of your week? It was the first week of school, so the kids are back. The kid, there's always a difference in the energy on the campus when, like, you're just there with your other 12-month colleagues versus, like, when the kids come back and the teachers come back and parents are back. So, um, and we had, like, a a much more energized first day of school. So we had, like, music playing and the pep band and the mascots all over campus so it was a vibe we had a good time this week so i'm excited for the year carmen what about you um well i had back well i was on the beyonce i call it the beyonce tour um but the back to school um events across the city all over the city it literally has been 14 within the last i think two weeks I'm not sure how I was able to clone myself, but have a team of folk to work, but I went to all of them. So I'm tired, <laughs> but it was like a good energy, like just making sure, you know, young people are ready to start on Monday. So Yeah. Okay. Speaking of, I was spending my week uh, getting my godson ready. So he starts mm-hmm. school Monday as always. Mm-hmm. Um, and the best part of my week, I would say, Yesterday, we went to the movies, and that's kind of our thing. So, mm. <clears throat> excuse me, we went to see Blue Beetle. And uh, so, just spending some time in the in the show, you know, another uh, comic book movie. So, that was dope. That was dope. Um, now, you mentioned music. You mentioned music, the pet band and everything. And that was a wonderful segue um, into our first category, Actual Factual. And so you know that we are celebrating 50 years of hip hop. Okay, I see, I see the, I see the bop. So, um, to quote from one of my favorite movies, my to me the best love story, other than Love Jones, Brown Sugar. When did you first fall in love with hip hop? Mm. We're gonna start with you. When you first fall in love with hip hop? So let me just say this for full disclosure. I feel like I was hazed into hip hop because I was all into like uh, R&B, 90s R&B, New Jack Swing. And then um, I I saw on Sisters in the Name of Rap. I don't know if y'all remember that show, but it was like Shine, uh, Yo-Yo, um, I think mm-hmm. Roxanne, Shantae. But anywho, Queen Latifah came out and did Ladies First. So I purchased... Moni uh, Love, Moni Love. Oh, my verse. oh my goodness. Um, but I ended up just being like exposed and I went and bought the album. I think I went to like Dr. Wax and Hyde Park. Okay, Dr. Um, Wax. All hail, all hail the queen. I was trying, I, man, man, I was trying to learn the, the words, looking at the tape deck, like trying to read the words. I was trying, I was trying. So that that is my introduction, I think, to hip hop. Uh, but yeah. That's, that's a nice. great, that's a great introduction. That was a, that was a phenomenal song. Yes. For Women's History Month. Um, Nay, what about you? Nope. Okay. You might have to, like, yeah. She'll she'll be joining us in a second. Um, 
Um, I have to get my energy to let her when she comes back. But so, um, when did I first fall in love with hip hop? Mm-hmm. I feel like I've been watching all the interviews that has been going on lately. And so I don't know a world without it. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was like, it was just always there. Um, but with that, but my mother, she was a house, she is a househead. So like hip hop just kind of creeped in. Um, and I can say when I knew it was there, right? Like, all right, this is something different. Is when I saw Biggie. So I was like, oh, bro, he looked like me. You know what I'm saying? I've always been a you know, big boy. And I was just like, man, like this, this cat flowing, got the ladies, you know, super smooth. Um, and like, you know, super like a heavy spitter. And so that just kind of like started me on my journey. Um, Lamont, could you let her back in? Um, yeah, so that kind of started me on my journey. And Nay, when did you fall in love with hip hop? I would say probably when I was like 10. I feel like 10 was pivotal for me because my mom got me my own, uh, like, for lack of a better word, like boombox for my room. Mm. So now I get to listen to what I want to listen to and kind of like explore my musical taste. So I would certainly say around 10 years old. Um, and I don't know if I should be saying this, but Ludacris' first album drop, certainly a 10-year-old no, no, should not be listening to that. <laughs> but I, I love that album. I still revisit that album. I can't believe that I was listening to those words as a little kid. But um, it's just something about that album and, and him. And also um, Nelly, which he was popular at the time. Oh, he was from... Okay the midwest and i remember like watching that video and later on learning the story about that video and basically he's like i'm doing a a a video shoot everybody come out so like everybody came to his video shoot for that country grammar video and i just felt like that was so cool so i would say those are and it happened like roughly in like in the same Uh year like that so our our year old fifth grade year to that point i remember (laughs) Me, my mother, and my brother, we took a road trip to see, like, her friend in St. Louis. And we listened to Country Grammar on repeat the whole way there. Because that was the only album that we could all agree on. <laughs> <laughs> so, we kept, nah, just put it, like, we would flip it through the CD, couldn't find nothing, and just be like, all right, put it just, and so for, like, five hours. Run it back. We listened to Country Grammar. <laughs> <laughs> But so that is a good transition. Um, Carmen, I'll kick it to you. So what was the first hip hop album you purchased with your own money? If you can remember. Mm, I want to say, so I think it's a tie between um, Farside mm. and um, like the Blue Planets, maybe. Mm, I'm loving these picks. Yeah. Okay. I, I think I got, I think it was like two for like $7. Oh, it might sound like my grandmother. Y'all don't know her. But... <laughs> two for seven? Yeah. I break this 10, you know? You know? Right. <laughs> Nate, well, was it ludicrous? No. It was oh. not. And I'm not going to talk about my first album. I'm going to tell a different okay. story. Okay, let's know. So when I was in college, Wale's first studio album. Yo, came out. hold on, I gotta interrupt her. Yo, Wale had Naomi in a chokehold for the longest, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I felt like in the midst of hip hop, Wale was the one artist at the time that spoke to me and my experience. Mm. Like he rapped about like dark skinned mm-hmm. girls. He talked about being in college, like things that I was all like I was going through. So I, I want to say it might have been like my sophomore year. So Wale's album comes out. I only have $10 to my name. <laughs> and so I choose the album because if I bought gas, I could not go and tell my mom I don't have the Wale mm. album. But I could go and tell my mom I don't have gas. So I went on the way home, leaving school. I bought my Wale album and brought it home and then told my mom my tank was empty and she helped Ambitious me. Ambitious girl, your drive drives me <laughs> crazy. I want to 
Stay oh, with you. Oh. I know. See, I know it. I know it because she made me listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> was it on? Man. Was it on a CD? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. We, we, still, we we bought CDs, so I'm gonna tell you mine. So it was at Coconuts in High Park, where the Silver Room currently resides. Mm. I went there to buy "Beware of the Dog." Bow Wow's first album and I didn't have enough money for the CD so I had to buy it on cassette tape Uh, (laughs) that was uh, the first album that I bought and then I'll say secondly I remember going to buy uh, Get Rich or Die Trying uh, and I was so excited to buy it I ran um, and it was probably at Mr. Wax uh, I ran to I got the album (laughs) And so, so I remember the next day, I listened to it all night, right? Mm-hmm. The next day, we're in class. Everyone's rapping many men, right? Many men wish death upon... So they're rapping it, but I'm like, I don't know these words. And I look, and I had the edited version. So it was just like, many men. <laughs> like, it didn't have... <laughs> they just had a whole bunch of guns. Oh, God. And so... I had to go back when I got some more money and then buy the album again. Mm. Um, and <laughs> that was, mm. that was a moment. Um, okay. As we move along, getting to know <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going somewhere with this. I'm going somewhere with this. I promise you. But my last part about this hip hop, um, what about concerts? What's your favorite hip hop concert you've been to? Anybody mm. got an answer? I tell mine while y'all think about it. So I remember I've seen Jay-Z twice. Mm -hmm. Um, But the last time I went to see Hove, I saw him by myself at the United Center. And um, it was when, it was an amazing concert. Uh, It was amazing. Just him, band, you know. But um, there was a moment the brother from Lincoln Park had passed and and he was Mm. doing encore with Lincoln Park, and then it was like, you know, a moment of silence. And I started to cry because like you, f- I felt the gravity like tens of thousands of people being present in one moment. It just like felt that weight. It was unlike any experience. And I don't think anybody but Hope could do that. Maybe Michael Jackson or something, but that was that was like my favorite, favorite uh, concert ever, hip-hop or otherwise. Uh-huh. Um, what about you guys? Um, so just a quick disclaimer. So I'm an artist myself. So like, tell me about your concert then. What, what I you know, doing? right? But this goes back to like hip hop because when I was talking about I was hazed into like hip hop, there was like a crew of us, and they would do these ciphers outside of like Sub T, um, the Buddha Lounge, <laughs> Funky Buddha Lounge, <laughs> um, and then um, is another place that used to be under the Green Line on Fifty Fifth. That's mm-hmm. called the um, Underground. So, anywho, like Chicago Poetry, my boy Malak L. Like, these were like so many folk that uh, Rashid Hadi, who is a dope producer. Mm. Um, but I say all of that to say that those were the concerts that just had me like, yeah, like you can feel it all. Then I can do my mm. little, my little hymn and hum in the background. Um, but the the concert, I guess, on like, you know, uh, I guess Jay-Z level was Kendrick Lamar. So mm-hmm. I never go to concerts in our city because I need to be close. So I try to find like tickets in the surrounding cities to be able to get closer seats. So I mm-hmm. drove to Milwaukee and okay. saw uh, Kendrick and I was like right there. So I had practiced all the lyrics. <laughs> like I was trying to like, I was like, if he give me the mic, if he just give me the mic, it's going to be my opportunity. But that kind con- it was just his energy. Like we made eye contact at once. Oh, he saw you. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I literally, and y'all, I can't even, well, I'm going to find it. It's somewhere on my, my mess behind the screen, but I had a microphone. I brought a portable microphone just for attention. I know doing so much. That's that Aquarius in me. Like he's going, he's going to, he's going to make eye contact. He's going to be glamoured. Y'all, that show was amazing. And you know how it's so amazing when you driving, like that little, that little short drive coming back home. Mm-hmm. I was just on repeat 
And I just, I, I couldn't like shake it, you know? So it was dope. And school, that's when I was introduced to like Schoolboy Q. Um, I fell in love with Sir, who wasn't, mm. um, he wasn't out like that, you know, then, well, at least not out like that to me. Um, yeah. And I was just like, man, I, I'm on a whole nother level, whole nother level. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so I got to ask. What was your what was your name? Was it just Carmen or? No, nah, everybody. So short, the shortness of it, because I was trying to be real deep. At first, it was like on my space, soul of wisdom, you know, and then everybody called me Wiz, wisdom or whatever, because I came from like that poetry. You know, it's crazy because now is we were talking about it the other day with one of my friends and um, she was like, man, we have just evolved. Like we're like, I'm at level 45 now, you know, I'm there. And I'm like, I've had so much experience, but not like, so I, everybody calls me Wiz, um, Mm. like Wiz or Wisdom. And, you know, that's connected to a number of things, 5%, you know, hip hop culture. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, I was, I'm telling y'all, I was trying to be deep. I still am, but I'm not deep. I'm just one. I'll, I'll come back to that in just a second. <laughs> okay. Well, Naomi has heard some of my terrible raps. <laughs> I was, I was, I went by the Ace of Spade, and yeah. Come on, mm-hmm. bring bust that sixteen out or eight bar. Come on, <laughs> it's the Ace uh, of Spade. Run the uh, block like a random gate. I'm so. All right, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Why was, that's 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 was I ready to do this? So, um, but so, um, as we sharing, you know, like hip hop has been a part of our lives, right? And we're all educators. And so there is an, um, an article from Grammy.com titled hip hop education, how 50 years of music and culture impact curricula worldwide by sister Tamara, Tamara Palmer. Let me say her name, right? Tamara Palmer. Um, and it talks about how hip hop was a thing, right? Um, we, we talked about, like, in my life, it was always hip-hop. I don't have a world where hip-hop didn't exist, right? But um, it was a thing that was once criticized by academia, and then kind of over time, it has been studied and distilled and provided us with all these pedagogies and curriculum. Um, and I wanted to ask you guys, how has hip-hop impacted your educational experience? I like like my own or how I deal with students. Um, either I I I have a personal and professional, you know, response. So, however you want to answer it. Let me think here. So, Nay, I could give you a little budge. Like you talked about on the show a while ago, like uh, like your shoe game, right? I, I'm yeah. So I, I was really thinking on the personal side that I I don't know if I'm I'm a reader in general, so I like to read and and all in 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 that process, like I read Get Rich or Die Trying Fifty Cent's book, and I like um, decoded, which is Jay Z's book, like really unlocked some of his songs for me as well as just like some other things in general. But I think on the professional side, my I'm a sneakerhead, if it's no secret, um, but has really unlocked my relationships with students at different points. So my first school, this little bitty school on the south side of Chicago, and I just started wearing, I saw the kids wearing them, I was like, well, I'm gonna wear mine too. And then it just kind of like, created this like through line for them to like talk to me and before I knew it they're like Miss Naomi how you get those shoes I'm like I'm grown I got a job I don't have to get good grades to get my shoes and like I was able to like build a rapport with them and then even students that weren't necessarily into sneakers like there were other things like I remember we had a student that was into k-pop and I remember like asking her questions about like which artist she liked and then like making an effort to like listen to those particular artists to like just know like what she was into but shoes was kind of like the introduction of like 
this is how I can be a presence to students. And even still, I call myself like an educational auntie. I'm not somebody that's like, you you got in trouble or whatever. But like, I would walk through the house like, ooh, you got in trouble. You Now you know you shouldn't be doing that. What could you do to be better? Like, just trying to obviously like be a positive presence in their world, but not like come down hard on them or like build some connection. I'm a firm believer in like, you do not get to discipline a child without a relationship with them. So that's a very long answer, but the the short one is like my shoes, um, my sneakers as a part of uh, hip hop culture or streetwear has certainly allowed me to build um, connection and rapport with students in my career. Dope, dope. Carmen, you got something? Yeah. So um, I've always been into conscious rap, you know, mess rap with a message. Um, I felt at the time that music could really like save lives. So like before I got into education as an artist, I was going to win my Grammy, build my own freedom school. You know, it was going to be for us by us. Like it was, it was just, that was the plan. Um, so, so I would say, I w- and, and let me also say, I was wrapping my hair, like like big earrings, walking in, feeling like the drums were behind me. <laughs> um, so I've always worked in high schools, except for one elementary school. And um, as a school, so I started off in education as a school counselor. And so I... I always used to say, you know, students need to be mentally sound in order to be academically successful. Do you know who you are, who you really are? Like, I was, <laughs> I was just coming. And so they was like, and I, I love how you said in there, like the, like the auntie, like the educational auntie, because I always sort of have embraced that um, just because I'm a love on you, but I'm also going to correct behavior. We're going to have a dialogue about it. Um I had, uh, I always had music playing, but I felt like hip hop music, I'm all into the beat, right? So if the beat will draw them in, so if they come into my office, um, and you know, they bobbing their head like, oh, Ms. Mahone. and I'm like, all right, spit something. How you feeling? Tell me how you feeling, you know? So I was saying, yeah. yeah. So I, I literally would say that that um, was a part of sort of like, my passion about this work um and then from there i felt like you know and i know this is a transparent conversation but because so many of our children don't know who they are and who they are like it it gravitates they gravitate to me in that way and i try to just make sure i'm like check this out i want you to go listen to this and then come back and follow up with me tomorrow let's have a dialogue i would bring snacks fruit you know tea you know just trying to create an atmosphere like it don't have to be like that because i've all let me also say this i've always worked in the hood and, you know, sometimes you got to, I'm one to get into the dirt, but I don't play well in the sand. And I say that intentionally because sometimes mm-hmm. I used to have to get at folk, like even at parents who were like, my, I'm older than the parents, you know? So, um, you know, just using music, playing music, and just another caveat, because I'm a hip hop girl and I'm, well, let me not say, I'm a Jeep queen and I love hip hop. So I say that too, because when I'm pulling up, I'm always playing something that, whether it's Kendrick, because that's my boo, uh, whether it's, you know, I don't listen, I listen to Jay Z. I'm really, was really feeling that 444 album. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love his work that he did with Kanye um, as well. But I'm I'm like common, you know, I'm, I'm like KRS-One, Pete Rock, you know, Eric Sermon. Like I'm playing that. So it draws folks in and it just sparks that conversation. And I think that relational piece with me starting off education as a school counselor was just key for me building relationships. Now, I will say that over the years, like I got students that are like 30, you know, so you look and you be like, man, where the time go? You know what? And then they always, they always yelling at me when I walk into a store, like, Miss Mahom, like, why are you yelling out my government? Miss <laughs> you know? And, but it was, it's just been, 
I, I feel, and this is a long-winded answer, but I feel like my unique experiences as an artist and a lover of all music, but specifically like hip-hop and R&B, it draws, it sparks another conversation, especially when young people are dealing with trauma, especially when young folks, you know, don't have the foundation, you know, at home or just not feeling safe in this world, not feeling like they have a voice. Like all of those things I sort of integrate into how I navigate young folk. I know that was wild. No, no, no. That's what we're looking for. That was beautiful. Um, thank you for sharing. I can say um, personally, every great movie has a dope soundtrack, right? Mm. <clears throat> and so um, hip-hop was like the soundscape through which I like connected with my classmates. So if it was Nelly, <laughs> if it was Dipset, I went bald in high school because Birdman was my favorite rapper. <laughs> I was 14 and I like shaved my hair bald. Man, don't be so disappointed, okay? Um, <laughs> but like, it was because of hip hop, you know, that that you in there and like in between lessons, like it made me want to go to school because that's where everybody else was that was listening to, you know, my music. <clears throat> but uh, professionally, um, like we all share, like we able to connect with students through like the different pillars so if it's not just the music but like in nay's case it was the um fashion sense or if it was i remember i taught cheerleading at my first uh i did a lot i taught cheerleading um at the first school that i worked at um and yes. i the dances for the girls for the for the competition and we won um and i remember <laughs> <laughs> I remember um, I'm, I love Shakespeare, right? Absolutely love Shakespeare. And I was teaching uh, English at an alternative school. And so, you know, everyone's test scores said they can't read and don't speak English and all that type of stuff. But I was able to juxtapose like the Hamlet stanzas next to Biggie lyrics. And like we got through Biggie. Uh, I mean, we got through Hamlet and Midsummer Night's Dream and Othello, which is my favorite, you know, just using hip hop. And it was like, bro, this is just telling stories. There's a lot of drama in here, just like the things that you listen to. Um, so, you know, hip hop is hip hop is dope. We are going to transition, Carmen. We want, you know, we're, we have you here. We want to get to know you a little better, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, a whiz as as you go by <laughs> so whiz why don't you start by you know kind of just sharing about your educational journey like grammar school high school college like you know where your educational roots are Woo! so the microwave version um <laughs> i attended saint dorothy uh in chatham and then I went to Mother Macaulay. Um, All right. So I've been a Catholic school girl. You, you, are, are you, why are you doing that, Nate? Come on, Nate. Talk about it. Because I'm a Maria girl. Oh, my God. Come on through, Catholic school girl. Pretty, yes. you know, I'm pure heathen. But, you know, it is, I'm a, I'm, I, it is, I'm spiritual. I'm on a whole nother level, you know. But, um. I think you connected. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Thank you. Thank you, sis. Thank you for that. (laughs) I believe in confessing. No. Um, But from there, like, Mm -hmm. I, I, and this is why I got into school counseling because at Macaulay, it was only a few of us there. um, And I didn't feel like I was like socially and emotionally supported. Like, I realized what racism was um, attending that school. Um, I had some unique experiences. So I think about it too, just, you know, just trying to find my voice and trying to know who I am. And, you know, this is the 90s or early 90s. So, you know, you then begin to have conversation about like colorism and just like so many layers to unpack as a young teenager traveling, getting up early in the morning because I thought white people had CB time because I would be on that 95th Street, um, you know, the bus depot, getting on that bus at like six o'clock in the morning so I can be on time to school because it was so far, you know. Um, but I also at that time learned the power of sacrifice, like with my mom and my grandmother, they, they were intentional about paying that tuition. But, um, 
I, as I was trying to figure out what I was doing after college, well, after high school, I didn't, you know, astro plane right there, but like, literally, I'm like, I want to go away, but then I want to stay. But there was no real dialogue. And I I would say that the first, like, interruption of my plan was I took the ACT and I got an 18. And I remember that they had identified every student that got, like, an 18 or less. And we had to do this, like, mandatory Saturday school um, to learn the skills and I'm just like I know this maybe I'm just not a good so I was like that was my first like revolution and then but I'm glad that I did I'm glad I was forced to do it because the next time I took it I got a 26 I was like I ain't thinking it no more um but that got me into a number of schools but the the crazy part is that I didn't know nothing about the schools like no one had talked to me about it financial aid like scholarship opportunities when I went to my counselor she was really looking like you really need to go do hair pretty much at Dudley on 95th like it was really that type of like lack of connection and relationship right so um I overheard I will never forget this I overheard some of my my friends talking about some colleges that they had applied to because they had older siblings and a number of us had went to St. Dorothy and went there so I was just like well if they going I'm gonna apply you know and that mm-hmm. it, when, in retrospect I was like I'm never gonna if I go into education I'm never gonna be that type of counselor or teacher like i really want to be intentional about helping young people have accurate information to make sound decisions um because there's an assumption that if you go to like catholic school like you rich you know you got money that wasn't the case so i thought that it would be a natural transition to attend spelman um clearly i had a culture shock because uh literally i was like this old black money like i'm like and then i couldn't afford it so you know that was short-lived i ended up coming back to chicago and attending depaul university end up being like an independent demon as an independent student really trying to like make my way find my voice and um if i could have got my degree in joining organizations and student spirit that would have been a PhD. Um, <laughs> so, you know, from there, I was like, I was going to be a doctor. Then I went, I had one of my advanced science courses and I was like, I can't retain all of this information. I need to be an artist. Um, and I had some unique experiences. I was able to go on some tours and really expose me to the artist world. And so I graduated from DePaul um, and then I started working in nonprofit. Oh, but well, still- don't, hold, let's, oh, no, okay. don't speak about we're gonna we're gonna get back to that <laughs> that point that's good that's good um but important question yes we're in a room we have all of your saint dorothy teachers mm. we have all of your wait saint dorothy what was that that was elementary elementary yep and then where'd you go for high school Mother Macaulay. Mother Macaulay. I got some some of my classmates went to Mother Macaulay. St. Dorothy, Mother Macaulay, all the teachers, all the sisters in a room together. Mm-hmm. What would be the consensus on the type of student that you were? What would they say the type of student you were? Oh, <laughs> let me clutch my pearl. No. Um, I think with elementary school, like I remember like the Miss the Miss Armors, the Miss Hendersons, uh, like uh, Miss Nash, like I can remember those names, right? And I would say that that was based on my relationship with them at St. Dorothy. And, you know, St. Dorothy was a different, again, a different experience from Mother Macaulay. And so I kind of expected sort of like those same relationships to transition into high school. So I would say that they would say that I was uh, eccentric, that I was... um, like, I would say that I was, like, a little Rudy Huxable, you know. Like, we had to wear uniforms, but I I still wanted to throw on some purple jewelry and some earrings, even at that age. Um, when I went to Mother Macaulay, the only teacher that I can remember is Miss Capra. She was a social studies teacher. And I just felt like she was, like, pushing the envelope on, like, U.S. history, which engaged me, you know, especially during that time. And I would say that she would say that I would be, like, the next policymaker. Um, so, 
but everybody else at that school, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so no sister act two moments. No sister act two moments. No, no. no. And, but I, but I did. I will say that I started singing in the choir at St. Dorothy. Miss mm-hmm. Miss Barry was the music teacher. She the one who taught us uh, uh, the African. Uh, I can't remember the songs, but it was dope, and I felt like I was speaking, you know, a whole nother language. <laughs> so I used to sing in the hallway, like, yeah, you hear me, ah, la la la. Uh, Mother Macaulay, though, I did sing at our senior event. I had a group we were we were called the cabs i think that's related to like the cabbage patch kids at the time but it's so crazy because jodeci had just did that uh on the radio station i think with pink house and they was like when you think of love you think of, and then he was like oh yeah you know that part so i don't and i recorded it on a tape deck i thought it was powerful so we changed the words trying to listen and trying to change it up or whatever and we ended up performing it at one of our uh school events and everybody was like yeah y'all did we was doing hard. okay i digress but that's pretty <laughs> much like i think that i've been consistently different i think all of my teachers will say that okay that's beautiful i need to hear (laughs) these recordings (laughs) after the show um (laughs) talked about being on tour Mm -hmm. kind of having some experience with the music industry and then you kind of began talking about you know working for nonprofits. And so uh, talk to us about how you ended up in education. Mm. I realized that I could not survive off of an artist's experience. <laughs> like my lifestyle, what I wanted, what I desired, what required me to be in spaces. And I'm just like, I can't. I just can't sacrifice my livelihood. Is there a way for me to be able to do more? Um and I will say that I got, again, back into education. Well, I will say that I got back into education. So I don't know if you remember this. Um, in CPS, there was a time where you could get paid during the summer. You know, that it was it was like you consistently got a check. And oh, then, yeah, I remember. It, and then it stopped, you know. So when it was, when it was like that, I was able to do some tours and... Um, it was good you know it was like the best experiences that i've had i've been on tour like kendrick the family so uh eric erica badu common dead press i wrote for outcast so i'm i'm thinking like gangster shit is the song by the way (laughs) um being able to have that experience and i couldn't like get over i couldn't get to the to, to multiple thousand mark right and then I was like, I can't survive like this. And so I ended up, um, when I worked in nonprofit, that was the introduction into schools. And I was like, I feel like I really can't do what I really need to do at not in the system. You know, like I needed to be in the system in order mm-hmm. to make change. So uh, worked on my counseling um, degree. Uh, end up being a school counselor at a number of schools. Uh, well, let me not say a number, three schools. Um, and that was the introduction to education. I didn't want to be a teacher, even though I taught like summer school, but I didn't want to be a teacher. I needed to work on like that inner core work. You know, the I, I felt like it was a deeper connection with me, with young people. And there was a need, you know, I feel like I was gifted and I still am, but gifted in certain, certain realms of like spirituality and connectivity with young folk. And for me to be able to use those gifts in the school and then talk about your future and then give you all these programs to be involved in, that is how it kind of like sucked me in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't turned back. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I'm gonna go off my script a little bit because uh, counselors are something that's important to me. Uh, my grandmother was a counselor for a hundred thousand years <laughs> <laughs> and worked at every school in the CPS. And so uh, I've just seen the the critical work that you you do in young people's lives. Um, but now you're the citywide STEM initiatives manager. Did I said that right. 
Yes. <laughs> okay. And so um, it's a two-part question. What does STEM education mean to you? And um, what exactly do you do? What does that work into? <laughs> right? Um, so I got exposed to STEM education a little bit over 10 years ago. Um, I became the early college STEM program manager with the district. I was housed at uh, Michelle Clark Westside, right? Um, and so from from that experience, I just began to like gain a bunch of knowledge going to conferences. What I wanted to do, because at the time, just a little historical piece is that the schools that became STEM schools in 2012 were really like technically failing schools. Like this was like the last resort. And then there was one new STEM school that came, that started off as a STEM school. So they had a new building, everything. So it almost felt like we were like the, um, you know, the the lost children in a sense. Um, and we really needed to just figure out a way to make sure that our young, young people have the talent, have, you know, the gifts to be able to have a voice in STEM careers. And a number of them didn't even know. And the school that I was at really focused in on technology. Uh, we were partner with the industry uh, partner. Um, we were able to just really do some intentional things around educating young folks about the possibility. And then for me, my little sprinkle is just like, man, y'all into music. Y'all want to rap and, you know, sound engineering is STEM, you know, like, uh, you know, just trying to make those connections with young folk. Um, so from there, I literally just took it from there and ran like people were trying to figure out like how y'all doing that you know people can be like that you know your little job kind of you know that undertone mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the reality is is that because we know who we are you know and not only do we know who we are but we also have the ability and the capability to impact this world and you know Chicago can be a really unique place politically on the educational spectrum as well and you're like where are the resources going? How are we really talking about equity and access? Um, so I began to ask those questions and just kind of created some pathways and people, I wasn't giving up the secrets, but from there, I was able to, um, you know, see this position. And at first I was like, nah, I'm comfortable. I'm going to retire here, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, then, I, you know, folks, it, you know how they're just universal messages that come through the, the waves at night, you know. Exactly. So I literally, uh, this job just kept popping up. Apply, got it. And I have never felt in my professional career like, like I love young people. And that was a part of the training. But working, I, I believe, at the central office level, I'm able to demystify some things. I'm also able to be transparent and having courageous conversation because people be acting like they're scared to talk, like we human. Um, and what's, let's name the barriers, right? Let's figure out how to give so-and-so or so-and-so this. Um, I can say that I have learned a lot about the district um, and how we navigate. And I'm like, I got to be a part of the solution. So with my position, my position was redefined by my executive director, uh, Dr. Kelly Easterly, who I'm just like, oh, I will slash somebody's tires if they mess with you kind of thing. Like, you know how you you find people that, it, you know, they don't have no agenda. They just real. And that's you can be like, yes, yes. And, and so that's her. And so um, I am really responsible for like our third priority, which is advancing um, STEM belonging um, and providing STEM resources to families and communities um, with intentionality. And so I love it because it also reconnects me to the work as a counselor, right? Relationships, that's number one, right? 
But the other piece, as I'm navigating this space, people will be like, I didn't know. Well, I wish I would have known. Mm-hmm. Or how can I be more involved? And well, you know, I spoke to this person and they no longer there. You know, there's just like layers. And I'm like, I'm just going, you know, deem myself as glue, like the stem glue. And I'm going to be making these connections. And then as I'm trying to make these connections with folks for them to have a have access, I also learn that there's, you know, teacher shortages. I also know, know that, you know, e- even though there's STEM connected to a name, you know, that there there still needs to be some work. Like this is a this is an ever evolving expansion of learning. Um, also helping young people reimagine what education should really feel like. Um, so they're not bored, you know, needs to be some, you know, we got different type of learners. This, this, this generation mm-hmm. can rewrite code and, you know, p- p- do their papers in an AI chat, but you know, it's just like so much going on. So my whole thing now is I don't, we are the department that educates the educator, but what we have to realize and have to push is that parents are the first educators. Mm-hmm. And so most of uh, most of the parents don't feel connected. You know, they just expect, well, you the teacher or they had a negative experience with a school and they like, you know, you know, cause it's too busy. Life be life and right. So for me, I'm trying to ignite that spark to let parents know, like, yo, this is this is what you can be, you know, talking about at dinner. Uh oh. Uh oh. You muted. I don't know what just okay. happened. I think that's <laughs> because I'm talking about some stuff. I'm playing yeah. seeds. Um, right? It was they. It was they. We, we are talking about they be listening. And then your devices start working. Someone just called me. It's, it was they. It was they. We on the same page. Mm-hmm, so sure. um, that threw me off. But bottom line is that um, from in in this short amount of time, we have developed our family guides to student success in STEM, which is really giving parents just of in this phase one, but giving them a document so you can have, you know, questions to ask teachers when you're mm-hmm. going, you know, to those schools, a report card pickup, really trying to just be like, well, why is my child, you know, struggling in math, you know, and yeah. science? And this is what they should be learning. Is this happening? How is this happening? And not to say that any teacher is not doing that but we do know that folks have experiences in you know those 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 places um Mm -hmm. that are really customer service when you think about it and sometimes there's sort of like this educational elitism that happens from parents to teachers or schools as an entity and parents Mm -hmm. like we are shareholders in this work you know and most folks and i'm intentional about saying sharing because we got to share this responsibility Mm -hmm. because if i give this child an opportunity and it's free and it's paid but they got to go pick up so-and-so, you know, and then take them home, get them settled, then do their homework. You know, it's it's a lot going on there. And mm-hmm. we gotta we gotta make sure that we are valuing education. And mm-hmm. I say that even so, and I just had this conversation yesterday. I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, if people look at the history of schools, it really wasn't designed for us. So mm-hmm. we are we 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 overstand that. So how can we be a part and I'm not saying infiltrate, but infiltrate. <laughs> infiltrate the system so that young people can get this get this paper be exposed learn about the fact that you got multiple um post-secondary pathways that may not include college you know Mm -hmm. it it may include certification you can get paid like 90 100 with just certain certifications especially within this field of stem um in addition to that, that knowledge, you know, when I talked about like as a counselor, I wanted young people to have the information. So I, that's part of my push too. I need to make sure you have accurate information. So we we actually launched our district wide website and providing with every day we're updating it but because there's so many opportunities out there there's Mm -hmm. so many games that could help strengthen math and science you know skills computer science like you know this Mm -hmm. but it didn't exist before in this capacity and that's why we're trying to be intentional about making sure that you belong 
in STEM. Like this is not something that's just for a certain people, a certain pedigree. Um, and we also know, so, and this is just a little secret sauce. Our logo on our website is a blue young lady with her fist up and her name is Justice. And my executive director is just dope like that. Um, and I, I, when she tells the story, I, you know how you just like, oh, I felt that. Mm-hmm. Because we know that young girls are underrepresented in STEM, and women are underrepresented in STEM fields. This is the work. This is the intentionality. We will change that logo when the data changes. Come so on. it's really putting the visual mm-hmm. in front of the people to know that this is real and this is reality. Mm-hmm. So I, I pause right there because you get me. No, no, no. That was. <laughs> I think that we was a take word. a moment to just internalize. Yeah, I needed all that. So, um, to that point, Nas has a quote from the same article from the Grammys. It says, hip-hop is important like computer science. Oh. The world is changing. If you want to understand the youth, listen to the music. This is what's happening right underneath your nose. Um, and I think that when you spoke about the belonging piece and the STEM initiatives um, is very, very important. Um, So last segment before we get out of here, because this is also important to what we do here at Educators. um, And as we believe everyone is an educator and we educate every day, we read, we read. So two questions um, quickly. What is the greatest book? Your favorite book? How do you want to answer? Greatest book you ever read, and what is the last book you read? Mm. Let me start off with the last book I read was The Professional Troublemaker by Lovey Ooh. Jones. Um, and I say that because in this in this work, the imposter syndrome likes to sneak up, um, and I have to, like, slay it. Um, so that is just my, my last one. Um, but man, I got, first of all, I love books. I got a whole wall of books. Um, but I will say Algorithms of Oppression was a dope book. Talked about, um, it's, it's like how search engines reinforce racism. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Um, I love Bell Hooks, All About Me. Mm. I love Asada. I read that 50 million times. It was just speaking to my indescendo. Um, (laughs) Then the reawakening, uh, oh wait, uh, the the reawakening of the African mind. Um, Dr. Asa Hillier, I had the pleasure of uh, meeting him when I used to work with Dr. Barbara Sizemore at DePaul University. Just, mm. just phenomenal. Um, of course, the Freedom Schools, Dr. Kelly. Like these are books that I just read. You know, during the during the pandemic, I was like on it. Like I'm like, Ugh! Um, so those are those. I would say those are in my top. But then I got a bunch of others, so I'll I'll send them to you just in case you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, no, no. So we, you know, we give a weekly update on the books that we read or in the process of reading. Um, and I know that I'm always on the hunt for a good book. Mm. Um, and you know, my dream is to have the library that bell had on uh beauty and the beast like that is like my goal so i'm always looking for you know a good book um and that's our show y'all you know i wish we had more time to spend with you carmen because well this is not gonna be your last time now that i know you is like i now know your story you definitely (laughs) gonna come back um because i do have more questions for you um but it's all the time that we you know have uh, today so to everyone listening, I want to thank you for going on this journey with us. I'm here at Everyday Educators. We educate every day. 